You're listening to the American Alpine Club podcast. In this sport we all love so much, there's a lot that is scary, sad, and very real. When you go toe-to-toe with death like we so often do in climbing, we can realize the absurdity of what we do, the way luck can be on our side, the risks we never meant to take, and the shenanigans that happen to get us out of consequential situations. But sometimes in the face of that absurdity, the only thing you can do is laugh. This episode is all about your crazy stories from climbing through the years. We combined listener submissions and tales from the interwebs to laugh and joke about the absurd climbing epics we all have. The AAC thinks there's a time and place to dig into accidents, analyze and learn from them, and put a serious face on this sport. If you're looking to learn safety lessons from the mistakes of the past, grab a copy of Accidents in North American Climbing. Similarly, the AAC knows that way too often, climbers go toe-to-toe with death and lose. Many climbers have lost their lives climbing, and there is an important discussion to be had about grief and the way death impacts this community in permanent ways. If you're looking to have a more serious dive into grief in the climbing community, check out our Climbing Grief Fund and the content and resources that are there to support those who have lost loved ones to this sport. But also, we need to laugh a little and appreciate the ridiculous situations we get ourselves into, all for the sake of climbing. Dive into this episode for the dose of the crazy from climbers like you. Lastly, we don't condone a lot of this ridiculousness. Stay safe out there. For God's sake, use a wag bag and don't feed the wildlife. Okay, welcome to the American Alpine Club podcast. We are now in a closet that is owned by the AAC Library, where tons of archives are just surrounding us because we need a new location to record our podcast. So we're doing the podcasting thing, and we're recording from a from a closet. And I've got two staff members of the AAC here with me today because we're going to be sharing stories that people submitted to the AAC. Also, some crazy stories from, you know, the greatest location of all great stories is Reddit. Um, (laughs) Just of climbing, crazy climbing stories that happen to, you know, everyday individuals. And then this idea was inspired by Aubrey Runyon, who we had on the podcast a couple episodes ago, because she just has some crazy stories, and she's really good at telling them. So we were really psyched to you know, share some submitted stories and then, you know, riff off of them, have fun, share our own stories because everyone's got some crazy stories for sure. All right. Foster, can you introduce yourself? Well, I certainly, yeah. I'm Foster Denny. I am the graphic designer for the American Alpine Club, you know, so I like, you know, pretty pictures and typography, that sort of thing gets me going as well as climbing. So it's a, it's a good match. Sierra? Hi, I'm Sierra. I'm the membership and content coordinator here at the AAC. So I love writing and editing the podcast. I'm usually the one behind the scenes, as well as sending out lots of t-shirts to our members. Yeah, so if you ever want a t-shirt, you need to thank Sierra. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we are going to start off with just a really fun, very short little pithy experience 
I think we've all kind of had our run-ins with animals, but somebody named Keith um, shared this story with us that in returning from 2022, a 6,000-meter first ascent, this first ascent is going to be in the AAJ. Like, that's how big this deal is. They come back, they find that their tent has been attacked by yaks. And these yaks have eaten everything. They're fresh vegetables, 10 kilograms of flour, baking powder, one kilogram of garlic and ginger, which I think is really the the (laughs) thing that destroyed these yaks, and five boxes of spices. As Keith writes, the laxative effects of this mix were unfortunately considerable. So as you can imagine, these yaks ate all this and then just shit all over their tents and it was everywhere. (laughs) And their airline gave them free extra luggage in return for an article in their in-flight magazine, which I think is funny. (laughs) So have you guys had your own animal uh, encounters? Um, Maybe. I mean, you know, the average run-in with a snake or a a bird um but no i haven't really encountered anything of the likes of you know yaks yakking all over your stuff so uh nothing that outrageous i don't think i've i've seen someone deliberately just take a sleeping bag from our campsite while we were on a climb before <laughs> that was really funny so i guess i mean humans are technically animals so kind of yeah Oh my gosh. Yeah, nothing that crazy. I've seen a couple bears in my lifetime. I've seen a bear chase a moose through the river once in Alaska, but never trampling through and like shitting on stuff. <laughs> I know normally I feel like just the animals want to take things from yeah. you instead of leaving things behind that are a little unpleasant. <laughs> I, I did see a moose on, um, uh, what was that? Uh, Canyon Boulevard and Broadway, which is a pretty prominent intersection in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Um, just hanging out, just, you know, vibing, trying to hang out in Boulder, you know, didn't seem like it was hurting anybody and was just standing there. Just, you know, people walking across the street, like it was a normal day. And I had recently just moved to Boulder. So I was like, is this just like a normal thing that happens here? You know, I guess. Uh, yeah. So moose downtown Boulder. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you guys have any stories that you'd like to share? Yeah, this one, this one comes from the realm of Reddit's. And it's by Pear Annoyed Fruitcake in 74. And that's Pear, P-E-A-R, Annoyed Fruitcake, 74. Interesting name. And he writes, my buddy pooped himself on uh, Flight of Fancy in Wadi Rum, which I guess is the route name, Flight of Fancy in Wadi Rum, I believe is in Jordan, uh, which is a pretty exotic place to be climbing. So that's interesting. He continues, he says, he gets to the tiny ledge midway, manages to lose his trousers in process of wiping. So so he makes a sort of diaper with his shirt. So this person has pooped himself in the middle of a route, and he gets to a tiny ledge, and then he uses his pants to wipe all of the mess that he has made. And then he's like, well, I can't use my pants anymore because they're covered in dookie, so I'm just going to take my shirt and make a diaper. Okay, so that's where we're at. <laughs> Um, and so he rigs an anchor to repel, starts to descend, and then he shits himself again. And apparently it's squirting out both sides of his shirt diaper. And he gets to the belay almost naked, covered in shit. And of course the rope is stuck when they go to pull it. And the no shit covered partner had to jug an anchor free to free the rope. Apparently... Shit was everywhere and spraying out of the belay device on repel. Doesn't sound fun. 
And the thing was entirely fucking gross and true, according to Hair and Fruitcake 74. <laughs> Takeaway is be careful eating too many dates on a dodgy tummy. Yeah. Be careful eating foreign foods. You know, you go and travel and you eat foods you're not used to. Your body might react strangely. But if I might add to this story, <laughs> I have a personal poop story that seems to fit in a weird way. Um, I was in um, Portrero Chico. Uh, where pretty, all your stories. Where have. a lot yeah. of my stories uh, seem to originate. It was my first time there with my homies. And we were going to go climb Supernova. And it's like up this, you know, scree field in the corner of this canyon. And uh, on the way up, I was like, oh, man, I got to go. And so I'm like, hey, guys, you guys go ahead. I got to go to the bathroom. And so, you know, I start doing my thing. I take my pants, you know, I lower my pants. I squat and I poop. Everything's fine. But I'm on a scree field, remember? It's pretty steep, too. Lots of loose rock. And my pants are around my ankles. And I stand up maybe a little too fast. And I lose my balance. Right. And then I take a step back reactively and step straight into the fresh, warm turd that I had just laid down onto the ground. <laughs> oh my God. Got all over my shoes, my pants, because they're around my ankles. And so there was no salvaging this situation. I frantically tried using leaves and things around me to try and, you know, I don't know, clean up, but didn't really work out. And I kind of had the walk of shame or the approach of shame back to the, the climb, because we're obviously not going to not climb the route just because I have shit all over my pants. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and so I'm practically covered in shit, and I smell terrible, and my friends are just making fun of me, but I'm the rope gun, so I'm like, I have to climb. I have to, I have to lead the routes uh, for my friends. So I'm sitting here just leading, not really having a good time, just having, you know, having trouble enjoying the route because I'm just covered in shit and topped out. Everything's fine. Still smelled terrible. Got down and then promptly ditched. And by ditched, I mean, throw away my, my pants and shoes and just kind of like didn't really know how to feel about that. But yeah, I know, I know how um, paranoid fruitcake feels, <laughs> you know, being in the middle of a climb covered in poop, not really knowing what to do. Thankfully, I didn't continue to poop myself. It only happened in one instance, not two. Min you want to minimize the amount of times you shit yourself, I think, in general. I feel like this is an advertisement for wag bags. <laughs> totally. Probably wouldn't have happened had I just, I don't know, pooped directly into the wag bag. On that note, I definitely have my own pooping situation. Uh, I used to ice climb guide uh, in Alaska, and we would throw these keggers. <laughs> To like every couple weeks to kind of get more up. So the next day after one of these keggers, I'm leading this group of 20 women uh, ice climbing and I run ahead. I'm like, wow, I really am like feeling sick. I might throw up. We hit the glacier. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I run ahead, built the anchors. And all of a sudden it hits me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to shit myself <laughs> on the glacier. And this is like one of the most common questions as a guide you get, what happens if you have to poop on the glacier? So I'm like frantically, after I build the anchor, throw the rope down, frantically searching around for a tiny Mulan, which are just these, basically these holes in the glacier that go down into nothing and destroy anything that falls in it. 
frantically searching. I can't find one that's small enough that I feel like comfortable hovering over. (laughs) And like, I'm like, oh my God, it's coming out. Like (laughs) running my coworker appears like at the top and I'm like, you need to stay away. I'm about to shit myself. And I find this little stream that will like carry it away. And finally, I'm just like, I have to commit to this. I hope it doesn't lead down to my clients (laughs) um, below me who are ice climbing. And I just, like, take the L, poop, <laughs> watch as it, like, floats away into the glacier. And, you know, it, glaciers are big. It's dispersed. It was fine. But I definitely felt really <laughs> upset about it all day. Uh, luckily, didn't fall into it in any way. But I'll never forget pooping on a glacier. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. It's literally. <laughs> You gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. We should do a study of, like, the number... Like, obviously, we, we're doing, like, the American... <laughs> our book, um, Accents in North American Climbing, is doing... Like, our editors for that book are doing a study of, like, the, you know, proportion of accidents that involve repelling, proportion of accidents that get reported that, are you know, have to do with, like, misuse of gear or something like that. We should also do an analysis of like just crazy days and how much they involve. Like the number of people that submitted stories that were just like really big epic days. Like really mm-hmm. all that happened is something got messed up and they ended up way too long in the wall. They got really cold. They got really hot. Like it was a big epic day. It took way too long. Right. That's a type. I wonder how many, what percentage of crazy days are like that. I wonder how many crazy days are just poop stories where you <laughs> just like feel the shame. <laughs> Yeah, it's a different type of accident. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I pooped so much that my rope was covered in dookie and so my ATC didn't work. Oh, Jesus. Oh, That'd be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to stay on the poop topic, I definitely have another one from Reddit by It's Morning Still Drunk. And so they wrote, I had a shitty situation. I was climbing, messing around with some friends in CCC a while back on Sonic Youth which for those who are know the route know that the approach is pretty gnarly and easy to get lost on if you aren't familiar with it. It's also incredibly exposed to the highway and tourists taking pictures of the rocks and climbers. To preface this, I just came back from a trip to, from Mexico and my stomach wasn't in great shape, shitting through the eye of the needle. After a few hours, <laughs> I don't, I'm not quite sure what shitting through the eye of a needle means, but that's how they felt. After a few hours, my stomach begins to audibly gargle I'm nervous, shaking, and sweating bullets at this point. I figure if I go for a quick little walk back up the approach trail, I might be able to recompose myself. So I take off, borderline limping up the trail. I've got my knees locked. I'm talking really small little duck walk steps up to the super shitty steep trail, making every effort to contain the liquid demon inside of me. (laughs) (laughs) It becomes quickly apparent I'm not going to make it and my animal brain takes over. I'm basically half doubled over in pain, trying to find a place behind a boulder or a tree or anything to hide from and my shame from the number of tourists and their cameras. Finally, I see this big set of boulders that has a sanctuary potential. I'm in total physical agony at this point. And as I make it to the boulder, I realize I'm still wearing my harness. It was good fucking game at that point, and I violently shit myself. <laughs> After 30 to 45 minutes, of struggling and making various promises to God. <laughs> I managed to clean myself up and take the shame train back, back 
down to the root wearing nothing but my jeans. I clean up a bit more in the river and excuse myself. On the way back down, or the way back up, I'm still wearing my climbing shoes, basically half naked. And as I'm coming around this large boulder with a ton of high bush, I literally run into the biggest fucking big horn I have ever seen in my life. Like being horned sheep. Yeah. He freaks the fuck out. I freak the fuck out. I run. He runs, stops, and turns around, lowers his head, and starts thumping the ground with his hoof. At this point, I'm ready to die. I'm going to get rammed to death on the side of a mountain, half naked and covered in shit. I think the ram probably decided he couldn't do anything worse to me than I already did to myself and sauntered off. I made it back to Denver and laid in the shower for about an hour. Shit myself wearing a harness, almost got rammed to death. Good times. (laughs) Well done. That's a double whammy. Animal encounter and, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They survived. Exactly. You have to tell the story on Reddit. All right, exactly. What was their what was their username again? It's morning, still drunk. Ah. Yep. Nice. Okay, well yeah, I wonder if he drank one after that <laughs> after that encounter. Judging yeah. from his username, he probably did. Oh, probably yeah. well deserved beer. Definitely well know? deserved beer. Shower beer probably. Yeah. This story is also submitted by a member or somebody who's in our community. And I think it's also pretty familiar because I have one very similar. But basically what happens in it is that, you know, they're climbing something. Granted, he doesn't actually say where they are and, you know, sticks his hand. He's like slotting some fingers, perfect finger locks and sticks his hand basically in a hornet's nest and his friend, his partner basically describes the next moment as I've never seen you nope out of something so fast in my life, which is, you know, when you come across wasps or snakes on the, like mm-hmm. on the route, like, yeah, people get out of there fast. So, you know, they ditch really fast and then run away, like as the <laughs> um, bees come out to, you know, harass them. And the guy makes a funny joke about how this is a suggested rate of 10A, but he thought that was a bit sandbag. The God- that godforsaken route was easily 10B. Huh. <laughs> but so I buzz, buzz. have a similar story. I mean, I think a lot of people have, you know, encounter, encounter the animals when you're outside, you're just going to happen. But I was in Thailand in July. And so it was really hot and just on this island, like pretty remote island, trying to climb some sport climbs. My romantic partner at the time is about to put up something easy. We're just about to warm up. He has, he sticks his hand in like a giant Waco And he's about to clip the first bolt, right? And then something stings him. He jumps down and starts running. Now, I have him on belay. So I start getting dragged. And he's like like running full tilt because he's he's in so much pain. He had been stung twice by uh, I think what a lot of people call giant Asian hornets. So like these are the types of hornets that like if there's multiple of them, you could die. And apparently they're very, very painful. But I had to like, I was like yelling and yelling and yelling at him because I'm being dragged, oh, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I, my, I'm, I can't get the belay, like the, the, my Gregory off my harness. And there's like rocks like bumping me everywhere. And finally, because he like blacked out. He was in so much pain just running that he couldn't hear me yelling. <laughs> So, like, nothing really that bad happened. Like, he got stung and it was painful and he was fine. But I just thought that was really funny. You know, come to think of it, I definitely have an animal story. Yeah. Okay. Um, nothing like the the crazy Asian hornet story. But I'm, again, in Mexico, wrapping down 
uh, Time Wave Zero, which is like that huge sport climb everyone does in Potrero. And um, it had been like, it had been a super long, we were three manning it. And so it was taking a long time. We're probably around hour 24 at this point. So I'm really tired. And I was the first one down the rappel. So I'm at the station and it takes my homies a while. And so I'm just taking a little power nap, you know, and my homies show up at the rappel station and wakes me up and I look at the wall and there's a big bright moon that night. So I had a little bit of a, a shadow. I look at the shadow, my shadow on the wall and it starts moving. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Like I must be really tired. And then I kind of like move a little bit, let my vision focus. And sure enough, it was a fully grown tarantula right on the wall next to my face and just hanging out, just saying, what's up, trying to party, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I kind of like freaked out for a little bit. Definitely didn't want to touch it or get near it, but like I'm anchored to the wall. So there's only so, yeah, I can only move so far and just kind of had to hang out with the tarantula for like 10 minutes. It was pretty cool. Um, Thankfully, they're pretty docile and they don't really like attack you. But yeah, definitely not what you want to hang out with, ideally. How big was it? Uh, Probably about hand size. Like definitely (laughs) largest arachnid I'd ever encountered (laughs) by a long shot. But it was fine. It was just hanging out. It was like a little furry, cute thingy. I don't know. I've got another Reddit story um, written by Trippy Cat Climber. I like that name. It's funny. They write, early in my climbing career, we were looking for a particular climb in Upper Dream Canyon near Boulder, Colorado. The area is beautiful with climbs right next to the river. I can attest. It is a beautiful place to climb. It's also a beautiful place to highline. It's, uh, it's just it's a good spot. I saw a moose there, sticking to the whole animal theme. Anyway, they continue. It is very easy to get lost since there are multiple paths that lead to cliffs and all that. It is also a haven for nudists. We got lost, of course, and finally recognized a crag I had climbed previously. So I knew the way out by following the river to the trail. As we went around the bend, there was a dude on a rock in the middle of the river wearing hiking boots and a backpack. That was it. We said hello and carried on. We never found our climb. After eight years of climbing, that is the the most that has ever happened. No epics, at least nothing we couldn't deal with. So I have been lucky. The only drawback is that I have one lame story. Well, I didn't think it was that lame, trippy cat climber. <laughs> Sorry you feel that way. But yeah, I you know, I guess as Hannah said, when you're when you're outside, you're gonna encounter animals, right? And humans are also animals, you're gonna encounter humans, and sometimes you encounter naked ones, you know, it just happens. I think, you know, in Boulder Canyon it's not uncommon for people to like take a dip in the river after a long day of climbing. So you know, nudity. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Wait, so I actually really enjoyed that because I think it brings us to a point that, like, a lot of people are really lucky to not have the crazy stories, which I think is hilarious. Also, the shitstorm of people, <laughs> when I posted about this on Mountain Project and the Mountain Project forums, like, just the number of people were like, you know, one time I built an anchor with two cams. Like, is that crazy enough? Like, one time I went bouldering and I liked it. Is that crazy enough? <laughs> I'm like, are you sure you don't want to come on our podcast and, like, really work it out? 
Gold Ring's pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't no, know rope. About that. no rope. Yeah, there's no rope. There's no rope. Your tote's free climb. <laughs> it's crazy. I have a short one kind of on the note of spiders, also from Reddit. This is from Turtles7331. The rope brushed against branches and a bunch of snow landed on the rope. I'm assuming this is ice climbing. The snow started moving and then we realized it was a spider's nest <gasps> filled with baby spiders. Oh my God. <laughs> a bunch of them fell on the ground, but I remember holding onto the rope while desperately yelling for my other friends to brush away the army of spiders crawling towards me. That's it. <laughs> Yikes. I hope you made it out, Turtles 7331. <laughs> that is absolutely terrifying. It's like my nightmare. <laughs> oh my God. Foster, do you want to tell us? I mean, this is like truly a crazy story because it's also an accident that like was pretty serious. But do you want to, I, I mean, I know that you have previously given the full story, you know, on the sharp end, but can you tell us like maybe the quick hits of your accident story? Totally. Yeah. So um, I talked about this in depth on episode 69 of the sharp end podcast. I was also featured in the Accidents North American Climbing publication that, that we pump out every year back in 2018 because it happened in 2018. And yeah, so again, like a lot of my stories, I was in Mexico. I've been to Petrero quite a few times. I think I'm on number eight or nine at this point. Number of trips, not number of days. Number of days uh, exceeds a large number. Anyway, yeah, so I'm... You know, out with my my two climbing partners, we our thing is we like to three man multi pitch. We like the added element of the third person because it helps us suffer a little bit more, and we like that. <laughs> I don't know why, but it gives us a little edge and a little a little boost of um, I don't know energy. And <clears throat> we decided to climb this route called Devotion. It's on Eastern EPC in the upper sense of religion area. Not many people go to. Not many people climb this route. And it's known to be adventurous, chossy, and fun. Also very tall. About as tall as time wave in terms of vertical feet that you climb, but nine or so less pitches. So it's just, it's interesting. The pitches are longer, slightly more run out, stuff like that. And it's like this big adventurous route, but it's only like 511C. So it felt like comfortable for us because we had all like comfortably climbed 512 at this point And we knew our systems you know pretty well and all this, that, and the other. Anyway... We get to the point where I'm leading, I'm leading pitch eight, which is above pitch seven, which is third class ledge, right? So you don't actually climb on pitch seven. Uh, you actually get a big ledge, you know, the belayers can stand. You're not really anchored into anything at that point. I'm climbing pitch eight, which is like a 511. And then we're linking eight and nine. And I get through pitch eight. I get up to pitch nine. I'm like halfway through. I pass the crux on pitch nine. And I traverse into this little like corner and where it gets really easy probably like five six or five seven at this point like super chill climbing for me and feeling pretty good and at this point yeah pitch and a half up and i have a really good stance and i'm just like cruising hanging out having a good time and i put my hand on a big jug that i was like wow this seems like a really great hold to use then i hear this like ominous creaking sound and it then quickly dawns on me that oh no that is not a um a friendly jug that you can use to vertically ascend the rock no that is a giant terrifying car-sized boulder that is rapidly ripping off the rock 
and there's nothing you can do about it. And so I saw this huge boulder just like teeter off the wall and start falling directly towards my two best friends who are belaying me. And as we're, you know, thousands of feet up in the air and I immediately just react as one does when a rock falls, you yell rock. I think I, I said fuck a few times uh, as loudly and as gut-wrenchingly as I could, <laughs> even though there's nothing that that would really do because that is a massive boulder that they could not dodge out of the way of. But thankfully that boulder kind of rotates a little bit, hits the wall, bounces away horizontally from uh, its original trajectory and barely ha- uh, misses my belayers which was great. You know, eventually I found out that they were fine, but what I didn't know amongst the turmoil of a very large boulder plummeting off of a cliff is that when it hit the wall, it cut both my ropes that I was attached to, that I was using to protect myself. My belayers did find this out and they, they did their job and they told me that the ropes were cut, but I was definitely still in shock and breathing very heavily and kind of unsure uh, as to what was going to happen and what was happening and didn't hear them. Kind of like Hannah, Hannah how you were saying your uh, partner at the time like blacked out from the pain in a weird way. Like, I don't want to say I blacked out because I remember the whole thing, but I was very zoned in and just very into what I was experiencing and not what my senses and everything were telling me. And yeah, it's really hard, you know, to describe, but I didn't know. I was uh, practically free soloing at this point, and uh, my my thought was, well, I should go and direct, which is great, right? That's probably what I should be doing. And so I go over down climb back to my last bolt, which is back on this like vertical slabby 511 part of the climb. And thankfully, I didn't know I was free soloing because I think I would have might not have made it to that bolt because when I did get to the bolt, I was like, great, I'm still on belay. It was like my thought process. And so instead of just, you know, clipping directly into the bolt and independently securing myself, I thought, well, my homies have me on belay. I can just say take and let go, which is exactly what I did, which is something I probably shouldn't have done, but I didn't know better because I didn't know I was free soloing. And so I let go of the draw that I had grabbed from the bolt and promptly fell a pitch and a half, roughly 150 feet, tumbling a little bit. There's a little bit of rope drag, hit a ledge or two on the way down, and then landed face first in a small tree in a bush of cactus about 10 feet to climbers left of my belayers on that seventh pitch ledge. Miraculously, okay. Um <laughs> didn't break a bone, had a bruised lung. And that was, yeah, that was pretty much the extent of that experience. I mean, there's obviously a lot more. Ended up getting a helicopter rescue because at the time we didn't know how screwed up I was. I mean, I had lots of blood and I was in a lot of pain, had a lot of bruises and stuff. I wasn't sure what was going on internally. So thankfully I had insurance (laughs) and I didn't have to pay for my rescue or my medical bills. So all in all, ended up totally fine in every way, shape, or form, and uh, was able to uh, live another day, thankfully. It, and, you know, when things like that happen, people in the area, when it happened, hear about it, right? And, like, 
it was a big deal. Like there's tons of people around the helicopter when it was down in the canyon. And so it was really fun. After I left the hospital, I went back into town. And of course, I was the topic of every conversation that everyone was having at the time. And it was really fun because not everyone knew that it was me that fell. So I would get into a conversation with someone and they'd be like, oh, did you hear about that person that fell? And like the huge rock, like I heard they're like dying in the ICU right now or that they're paralyzed from the waist down, you know, and I'm just sitting here listening to these people tell, try and tell me the story that I lived. And it was really cool. So it was fun just telling people like, nope. I'm that person and I'm fine. And then, like, just completely like shatter their reality of what they thought happened. And uh, I think some people deemed me like the flying boy or something down there. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I feel like there's just the, the number of stories that we share that are just like miraculously like people don't get hurt um, are really fun in the sense like, I mean, you just told that in a fun way, right? Yeah. But it was also terrifying and like Absolutely. plenty of people have a fall like that and then it's not they don't walk away with just some cactus stuff and so like it's really interesting to I think couple like a more serious engagement with the accidents which AAC does all the time right with like we also live and survive through these things and I know I mean I know in more serious moments I've had a conversation with you about that and like what it felt like afterwards in kind of like a surreal way and like how life felt and like that sort of thing, which maybe isn't the topic of this podcast, but I just think it's another way to like, think about like, yeah, we're having a lot of fun because these stories are crazy, but also I think they may, they can mean something else. Even the poop stories. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing about stories. They're fun to share. They're fun to talk about and they're a good time. And I would like to clarify that I did say that story in a fun way. And it was, I think there were a lot of things we could learn from it and definitely a more educational way to talk about the story. But the purpose of how I told the story was more for entertainment mm. purposes <laughs> yeah. than, than any other. So keep yeah, that you, in mind. Yeah, if you want to learn about <laughs> it, read the accidents article for sure. If this episode gets you wondering about what would happen if you needed a rescue, here's some beta. As a partner-level member of the AAC, you receive up to $7,500 in rescue coverage. As a leader or advocate-level member, you can receive up to $300,000 in rescue coverage through Redpoint Travel Protection. Basically, if you find yourself in a situation where you need to get from the site of an accident that isn't at your house to the nearest appropriate medical facility, this benefit covers rescue, helicopter, ambulance, and other transportation expenses. It's important to know that this coverage works best when Redpoint initiates the rescue themselves. So program that number into your phone and satellite device ASAP once you start your AAC membership. But in the event that you are unconscious, unable to make a call, or otherwise not coordinating your own rescue, and therefore Redpoint is not contacted, members can file a claim for reimbursement. This covers pretty much any activity that you can imagine, except for flying activities or base jumping, and except for rescues above the Arctic Circle parallel north or below the 60th parallel south. And this benefit also includes medical expense coverage. We're talking about up to $5,000 per incident and $10,000 a year, so you don't have to pay your total deductible in the case of an emergency. And this helps cover medical treatment necessary for emergency stabilization received after a climbing, hiking, biking, skiing accident away from your house. So if you're not already a partner or leader level member of the AAC, join us. Dream up your next adventure without a worry. 
If you are already a member, make sure you educate yourself on your rescue benefit. You can find out all about it at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash rescue. Okay, so we also had somebody, Bennett, submit this story that's really quite crazy, and I wish I could read all of it to you all because it's it's written in this fascinating way. But I'm going to summarize because it's three pages long, so it's just a little too involved. But I think this is also on the more serious side of crazy stories. So Bennett and his friends were about to head to Patagonia, and they this person... Bennett kept having this dream every night for a month straight before the departure. A man, so in this dream, a man sitting knees against his chest, braced against the wind in like a yellow colored jacket. Uh, the night is blacker than pitch, save for a solitary star. Like, I guess his head torch is obscuring his face from view. So you can't really see the person's face. And he's rubbing his fingers together as if he's really cold and then his shoulders and then his knees. And it's like this person is silhouetted against a backdrop of ice and is like very clearly just this depiction of suffering, right? And this image, this person is like freezing and cold and trying to keep warm, keeps coming to Bennett every night, right? Then they make it to Patagonia and he stops having this dream. And, you know, they're, they're doing this, these crazy ascents, attempts in Patagonia to, to, to pass the time he writes tea, cigarette, cigarettes, tea, cigarettes, tea, cigarettes, food, <laughs> tea, cigarettes, tea, cigarettes, tea, cigarettes, food. It's like, this is the marker passing. of the time <laughs> passing, right? And then as they're coming down from some ascent that they did, they're... Unbeknownst to them, they hear kind of a sound, but it, it's a mushroom Ciroc caving off of Cerro Torre, which causes a tragedy with two other friends. But they're like finally through the glacier. You know, they're like they're um, picking their way through. It's been a really long day. It wasn't really that successful, but they start seeing a light and they're kind of delirious. Right. I mean, on a, on a ration of teas and tea and cigarettes and more tea and cigarettes. They're a little delirious, like at the, at the end of their rope kind of thing. And they're all of a sudden they start seeing a light and they run towards the light and they're like, are we hallucinating? What the heck is happening? And Bennett sees the man that he had been having this dream about, like have like basically has a visual and is like, I'm not hallucinating, right? And these other people say that they also see it, but there isn't really anybody there. And so babbling incoherently to each other, they continue on. <laughs> Tea cigarette routine, as always. And then they get back to camp. And finally, they realize that one of their, their friends got in an accident and somebody has died. And the, I can't really tell. It doesn't seem very clear from the story whether the person that they saw the image that maybe this ghost, this visual alpine ghost they saw as a representation of their friend, or if maybe it's something else that's just kind of ominously part of the representation of death that they experienced in their delusionary state. But, you know, ultimately there's this kind of like really eerie story of like hardship and pain and this weird ghost apparition <laughs> so i i found it really interesting i wish maybe we can like publish the whole thing as a story because i think it's really fascinating to read um but yeah i don't know i've never had any ghost situations but i don't spend that much time that high in the mountains <laughs> i wonder if altitude would increase the likelihood that you'd see some ghosts i've been up at twenty thousand, and i have not seen a ghost <laughs> unfortunately 
unfortunately. Yeah. Not that that was a fun situation, but that's right. interesting. If it does have to do with, like, altitude and, like, lack of oxygen to your brain. Because definitely things start looking different. Mm-hmm. Like, they feel very highlighted, and you're just moving, like, almost through, like, water. What I can't, I mean, I think there's one thing about, like, seeing somebody who's not there or some representation of something that's not there. But the fact that this person had dreams about it for a month beforehand is just really crazy to me. You know, I can relate to that dream part because I had a recurring dream growing up. This was a dream I would have ever so often. It didn't really seem very routine, but it would happen at least once or twice a year. I would have a dream. And I could be doing anything. It happened in a lot of different ways where I would fall a great distance and then survive the fall. Yeah. And there's a lot of great different instances in which this happened. There was a time I got flung out of a roller coaster and like flew off onto a highway and like started flying and like didn't hit the ground and like survived. And then there was a time I was in a mall and I fell like four stories onto a marble floor and like, you know, it was fine. (laughs) And then there was a time I was down soloing with Alex Magos and <laughs> this is your dream <laughs> this is my dream just to clarify and he slips and falls down to the ground and this we're like I don't know probably 10 pitches up or something crazy and then I'm like oh man and then like I you know make a few moves and then I slip and fall all the way down to the ground and land right next to him but like we're fine and then a third person falls and you know, hits the ground right next to us. And it was Alex Honnold. Classic, and, of course. And, then, and of course, like, he has, like, a house next to where we fell. And he's like, here, you guys want to come in for mimosas? And uh, anyway, yeah. Did that, you go in for mimosas? Yeah, we, we did. And then in his backyard, there was, like, this soccer arena where, like, tons of people were playing soccer. So, I mean, like, obviously, this is a dream, mm-hmm. right? But the recurring theme is fall a great distance, and I'm totally fine. And th- this happened. Before, you know, my big fall. Yeah. So, I don't know. Pretty weird. To- probably circumstantial. You know, I'm not one to really believe in the supernatural. But pretty weird, right? Pretty weird. I also, because I know I know that, like, a lot of dream science, like, you know, I feel like, <laughs> science, I don't know. But um, normally, if it's, like, a representation of, like, fear processing, you don't actually get to the bottom of the fall. Or you don't, you know, like, there's, like, the consequences aren't explored in your dream. It's normally just, like, you being chased by the thing and you never get caught. Or you falling, but, like, the feeling of falling is it. It's not, like, you land and then mm. you go get mimosas with Alex Honnold. Like, <laughs> I think that, that's really fascinating that, like, the key part of it was that you landed and you're completely fine. Yeah. Because that's not, yeah, that's, like, different, it feels like, than just, like, a fear dream. Yeah. And I haven't really had the dream since. I think maybe it's because I know what it's kind of like now to land oh my god that's terrifying yeah i don't want to know what that feels like <laughs> that's I, just, I just remember my first thought was was actually anger i was angry because i thought i was on belay right uh-huh. and so when i hit the ground i was like man my my friends let me down <laughs> like they didn't belay me properly and something screwed up and i fell to the ground they didn't tell me i was off belay so i was pissed i got I, you know i i remember the first thing i said was like what the fuck I wasn't on belay, <laughs> like, and uh, they're like, no, 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 we told you. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Anyway, dreams. So do you think it was a premonition? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I 
Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it was a premonition. And all my dreams have significant meaning in my life. What did you dream about most recently? You know, I had a very, very tame, average, normal day life dream where I went to a coffee shop, saw a friend that I would have seen at that coffee shop, walked into the coffee shop with said friend, saw another friend that I would see in that coffee shop and said, what's up to that friend. And that was about it. (laughs) So that was the last dream I remember. So significant. Very significant. What does it mean? It means that I should be drinking more coffee (laughs) and hanging out with my friends more. (laughs) Right? Or something? I don't know. Definitely. I got another one from Reddit. On the more accident side, but not super, luckily, nothing super serious. The original person deleted their account, so I can't credit them. But the post is still up. They say, not really hardcore, but might be a lesson to someone. I was climbing in a pretty famous area in my country when a guy at my side started to belay his partner in a too much relaxed way. He was barefoot, sat on the ground a few meters away from the wall, smoking, in parentheses, tobacco, in case anyone was wondering, and chatting to some girls who were with them. At some point, the belayer was not paying attention at all to his climber. A third guy warned him because his partner was just about to start the crux of the route. He just replied something like, he has done this route several times. He's just warming up. He won't fall. And then he fell. As the belayer was sat far away from the wall, the impact of the fall pulled him violently against the wall, kicking the rock with his bare foot. Two of his toes turned to the wrong side, resulting in an exposed fracture. Oh, God. Yeah. The visual of that, so gross. We had to rush and help him on belaying his partner down while he was screaming as hell. Once his partner was safe on the ground, we had to help him to leave the climbing area and ask for an ambulance. Our climbing day was over. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's, I kind of get the same vibe from people that like ride motorcycles without helmets, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. Is that weird? (laughs) Tell us more. What? Yeah. Wait, wait. Could you dive a bit more into that? Well, I mean, it's like... Okay, maybe maybe it's a little more extreme to ride a motorcycle without a helmet, okay? Sure. Right? Because, I mean, like, you get in a motorcycle crash, like, not having a helmet on. Yeah, you, I mean, your your head's pretty much screwed. But you can say the same thing about that guy's toes, right? He didn't have shoes on. didn't have proper shoes on for the job. And he wasn't paying attention, and he was too relaxed, right? Like, the motorcycle rider's super confident in his ability to ride the motorcycle that he's like, I'm not going to fall over, so I don't need a helmet. Right. Mm-hmm. This person's like, I don't need to pay attention. This person's not going to fall. But it happens anyway. There are things that happen, you know. So I don't know. That's how I feel. I feel like he wasn't actually willing to sacrifice his toes for that for that belay. But yet he was. That makes sense. Maybe. Yes. Maybe he wasn't ready, but he was risking his toes. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he realized the risk. Right. There it is. I don't think he realized the risk he was putting him his toes into. His mm-hmm. poor toes. I know. The <laughs> wrong way. Like up, down, backwards. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah, as someone who definitely wears my chacos yeah. how... and broken stocks to the crack. That is my worst nightmare. Oh, God, mm. that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't wear chacos <laughs> bling. <laughs> mm. But if we're close to the wall, if you're close to the wall, you won't get violently pulled into it. I think is the idea. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
I wonder how barefoot climbers feel about this. Oh, we really, you know? yeah. But are there any barefoot climbers that sport climb? Or this is it all sure. boulders? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I've met plenty of people. I mean, it's not like, at least the ones that I've interacted with, they don't only climb barefoot. But they'll climb a route, <clears throat> climb a route with their shoes on, their climbing shoes, and then they'll do it barefoot afterwards mm -hmm. right like they'll do like maybe one or two routes in a day barefoot but most of their climbing is still in climbing shoes they just enjoy every now and then climbing barefoot mm -hmm. for whatever reason they enjoy the way it feels on their toes <laughs> but i imagine that said blair from deleted's story didn't like the way it felt on his toes. i would imagine yeah, yeah. I didn't write down who contributed this to Reddit. So you should maybe if you could find this uh, so we can give it credit. But this is just along the lines of like, you know, the classic epic taking mm. forever to get back in the dark from a long, long day hiking back in the dark. No lights at the parking lot or nothing. You couldn't tell how far they were away from the car. Uh, this person's partner announces that they're quitting. And then in desperation, you know, they've been like fighting for hours about whether they should stop and sleep for the night or just like keep trudging on kind of, are they getting lost? Like that sort of thing. And the person telling the story pulls out their key fob out of desperation and clicks the button. And the car was 30 feet away over a hill where they couldn't see it, but they heard the sound of the car going off when they clicked it when they were that close. And then they, they like, so the TLDR is that they almost bivy overnight 30 feet from their car in 40 degree weather, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, what a shameful story of that actually happened. <laughs> it's so hard to see in the dark. Like, you can mm. really be, like, five feet away from exactly what you're looking for with no headlamp. There's a time I camped outside near a riverbed on our way to go climbing somewhere. This is in Mexico, of course. <laughs> and we didn't, we, we wanted to pack light because it was a long hike in and out. Even though we ended up hitching a ride with uh, ATVs on the way down. Thankfully, that was really fun. So had we known we were going to hitch a ride, we probably would have packed more. But we just packed the essentials, uh, which were climbing gear and like a sleeping bag and a pillow. So we're cowboy camping for the night. And when we wake up the next morning, everyone looks horrendously ugly because we had been eaten alive by bugs. And like, there's some really cool photos I could share with you all soon, but... Yeah, like all of our faces were just completely red and irregular and just very gross looking. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just gotten devoured by bugs throughout the night. Dangers of cowboy camping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple friends in college that were cowboy camping on one of our trips. And they woke up to a bear in their face. Mm -hmm. Breathing into them in the Adirondacks in New York. And like the black bears there, insane. They want your food and they woke up with like in their face and another one like going through their stuff. And How did then they get out of it? Everyone started waking up and just like banging anything they could and just like making a ton of noise. The bears went away. The same two people cowboy camp again the next night and woke up with un the same bear in their face. Going through their of course. Stuff. Sometimes nice. it's out of your control. Yeah. It's not. I am really curious, like with the number of animal encounters, I want to know, you know, obviously we tell stories about bears and moose and, you know, the squirrels that tear apart your pack if you leave it at the base of an eldo climb like me. <laughs> but like 
you know, what are the unusual ones? I feel like some people out there have to have some unusual animal encounters. And I want to know what those could be. I had squirrels throw nuts at my tent once in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I was like sleeping by myself. Like I was out uh, leading a trip, like a sailing trip on an island. And I sleep in my tent by myself. And I hear like something like in the woods. The leaves are moving. Uh-huh. Like, but I like look out of my tent and there's nothing there. And I'm like, oh my God, someone's stalking me. Yeah. I'm going to die. Like goes to the worst place. And instead it's these squirrels up above. They're pissed off that they can't get into our food. <laughs> and they're just chucking little nuts at my tent so I like wake up and give them food and they did end up tearing through our like plastic uh containers that were slung high up in a tree wow and they ripped open the plastic like um like a cement like you know those plastic containers that hold cement yeah they tore it open and got our food I swear to god yeah squirrels are becoming the smartest animals in Mm -hmm. the entire world it's really quite just just distressing yeah also it seems like counterintuitive if they're throwing nuts at you right that's their other that's food their other source food. <laughs> they well so they know that if they throw those nuts that they would get better food yeah. right as a sacrifice they're willing to make <laughs> and they can also just go and grab the nuts after yeah it's like a game for them it's like yeah. trade yeah. <laughs> we give you nuts you give us Reese's Pieces yeah. <laughs> saw a flying squirrel once I was on a climb and it just like Peters out onto the rock, gives me a good stare for about half a second, and then just promptly just launches off of the rock and flattens soars full like wingsuit and everything, just off into a tree. And it was really cool. It distracted me. I almost fell because like I watched it. Whoa. That was really cool. Thankfully I didn't fall. I was kind of run out at the time. Were you in Mexico? This was in Alabama. Okay. Actually. I think earlier that day I also there was a group of hikers hiking around and they had, they had a, a backpack full of baby goats. What? Yeah. Like domesticated ha- baby goats. I, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I just remember, you know, I was at the base of a climb, just kind of like hanging out and I see these people hiking around and I see like what I first assumed was like a dog, you know, sticking their head out of the back of a backpack. But then I realized, like, that's not a dog. That is a that is a goat. That is like a, you know, <laughs> goat. And, of course, I had to go and talk to them and figure out why the heck they're walking around with goats in their backpack. Like, you don't see that every day. And uh, they were just like, yeah, we just have baby goats, and we couldn't really leave them on their own back at the farm. So we were just on a hike with our goats. And they had, like, four or five of them just, like, jammed into a backpack. And Wait, all in one backpack? Yeah. Baby goats are pretty big. What the heck? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, this is also in Alabama. And yeah, so I just, you know, my, all my friends and I were just like hanging out with baby goats for like a solid hour. It was awesome. I had, I've had goats above me on a climb before knocking rocks down. That was not fun. Thankfully, I had a helmet. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Any last stories, personal or otherwise? Hmm, this one time at band camp. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, thanks everyone for submitting your stories. If you did, um, we there were many people who submitted stories that, you know, weren't necessarily the craziest, but, you know, I'm sure at the time sucked a lot. 
you know, the big epic days, um, the time that your newbie partner almost unties from the multi-pitch uh, setup at the anchor, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> or teaching so, someone how to clean a, a sport route after they just climbed their first sport route, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely the close calls and the, um, you know, the near misses definitely make for good stories. So if you guys have more stories like that out there, if you're listening to this, we are probably going to do another episode sharing more stories. So if you want to submit them, you definitely should. Um, and we'll sh- give you a link in the episode just so you can if you want to. All right. Thanks, Sierra. Thanks, Foster. I guess it's time for Sierra to get down to editing this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can't wait. (laughs) Stay safe out there, everyone. Thanks for having us. Today's show was hosted by me, Hannah Provo, and produced by Sierra McGivney and Shane Johnson. Make sure you're safe in the mountains, no matter your activity, with the AAC's rescue benefit and medical expense coverage. Join the club today to have the peace of mind you need each time you head out there or learn more about your existing membership benefits so you know what to do in the case of an accident. Learn more at AmericanAlpineClub.org rescue.